Hello everybody and welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox meeting of adult children of alcoholics in Cobble Hill, Brooklyn. My name is Anne. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child. We're recording our speakers every week because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your comments and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a 12-step program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like to find a meeting in your area, go to adultchildren.org and click on Find a Meeting. This week, we're hearing from Najla, who spoke about the role of service in her recovery. Please enjoy. Hi, my name is Nejla. I'm an adult child. Nejla. Um, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be of service. Um, so, yeah, I think I'll start with my reading. My my tool of recovery um, is service in, service in ACA. So I'm going to be reading from Chapter 10. It's page 354. Um, service in AA. The purpose of service in AA. Sorry. <laughs> so I'm like 39 weeks pregnant, and <laughs> I've, I've lost my brain, so that might happen a lot more in the next couple of minutes. And I apologize ahead of time. Please bear with me. <clears throat> service in ACA. The purpose of service in ACA is to support one another in becoming responsible for our own well-being. We lose our sense of personal responsibility when we are forced to separate from our feelings. Without emotional integrity, our actions become scattered and unfocused, and we are helpless in responding to our essential need for love and care. Action coming from love. The essence of service in ACA is action coming from an attitude of love. But before we can serve one another, we must first be willing to love and serve ourselves. In seeking to understand their experience of pain, children in an alcoholic family will reverse the normal sequence of cause and effect and decide that they are the cause of the family's distress. They react to this decision by hating and punishing themselves for needing love and by retreating into emotional isolation. In being willing to gain, to again acknowledge and respond to our own needs, we regain our sense of emotional wholeness and reclaim the power which comes from taking responsibility for our own well-being. Service allows us to trust ourselves. Our feelings of self-worth and adequacy start to grow as we successfully reparent ourselves and we begin to trust our ability to love and serve others. We give service just by being present to support and encourage other members of the program as they make the transition from frightened adult child to whole human beings who are capable of acting with the spontaneity of a child and the wisdom of a mature adult. This central concept underlines and supports all forms of service. By uniting in service, we create a program for living which provides a sane alternative to the insanity of family alcoholism. Then I'm going to skip ahead to page 363. Benefits of giving service. The healing we receive by giving service in ACA removes our deep feelings of inferiority in giving and receiving love. Our sense of inadequacy begins to disappear when we see the value of the service we give. Our idea of who we are and what we deserve starts to change as we see our real worth reflected in the eyes of other adult children. Our feelings of unworthiness are transformed into positive self-esteem as we realize how important our experience of recovery is to others in the program. With our increased sense of self-worth, we are able to let others love us in return. Service ensures unity and strength. 
In giving service to each other, we show we are united by the common belief that we can transcend the crushing burden of demoralization that is the legacy of family alcoholism. By taking the action of responding to one another with love, we simultaneously allow ourselves to give and be given to in a way that heals the wounds of our childhood and meets our simple human requirements for attention, love, and respect. Um, so yeah, so I, I um, a little bit of background on my, where I come from, why I qualify. Um, I grew up in a very violent, scary, alcoholic home. Um, my father was incredibly physically abusive and just like kind of like this monster nut job. And my mom was like the para-alcoholic who, who like kind of enabled it and would make excuses and try to protect and, but not really and was never really like emotionally available for us. Um, so, you know, I learned at a very young age that like you just don't, don't wake the monster, you know, don't bother mom, you can take care of it yourself. Um, and, you know, you'll get out of here eventually, hopefully in one piece, and it'll be okay. Um, and, you know, I, I, I guess I did get out in one piece, more or less. <laughs> um, but I then, um, I took on, I, you know, I would always say, like, I never want to be like him. I don't want to be like him. Um, I'm not going to be an alcoholic. I'm not going to be violent. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to be manipulative or narcissistic or any of that stuff. And um, you know, when I left my house at 18 and went to college, I very quickly became my father um, and parts of my mother too. Um, I, I'm also a recovering alcoholic, hence the AACA confusion in the beginning there. Um, and it took me a long time to to realize that that was like part of this whole thing. Um, so I, you know, I started my journey of recovery when I was 23. I got sober from drugs and alcohol at the age of 23. And, um, you know, I thought that was like it, right? Like I was getting, you know, I was letting that stuff go and I was like dressing the underlying issues and like everything was gonna be okay. Um, but then I realized, you know, over the years, the more, the longer I didn't drink or use drugs, um, the more I would go for other things. So, you know, I dabbled in, in self-harm, eating disorders, um, love addictions, you know, kind of like you name it. I was finding any way I could to try to, like, make myself feel better. Um, so what eventually brought me into ACA was... Um, a relationship with a guy who was also sober, who was completely unavailable, who I actually hated. Um, we, we hated each other. And we were together for almost a year. Um, <laughs> like, he kind of hated everything about me. I hated everything about him. Um, we fought all the time. <laughs> but we were in love. He was super passionate. And um, so we broke up, and I was devastated. And um, then he started dating my best friend. Um, and I just like didn't understand like, and this was not the first time that I had this kind of relationship. It, this was like probably the eighth time I'd had this kind of relationship in, in my whole life. And, and like I just, and it was like almost the same thing that had happened with my parents. Like my dad cheated on my mom with my aunt and they would like get drunk together. And then like, 
you know, nobody talked about it. And it's just like I was repeating this weird pattern without even understanding why I was repeating this weird pattern. Um, and I remember like just being devastated. I couldn't believe that she had done this. I couldn't believe he had done this, even though I hated his guts. Um, and I found myself like just in an ACA meeting. Um, I thought it was an Al-Anon meeting actually, and it wasn't. And they read the 14 traits and I was like, oh my God, they put me, they put me in a list. Like I'm, that's me in a list. And I just like, for the first like few months I sat in the rooms of ACA and just cried. Like it just was like, finally, I feel like there's, I, this is what's wrong with me. Cause like, even though I had been sober for almost five years at that point, I was like, there's still something wrong. Like there's still not like this idea. Like I was, I had celebrated five years in an eating disorder rehab inpatient. Um, you know, I had never had a sponsee before. Like nobody wanted what I had. I did not want what I had. <laughs> People would like, if you were healthy, you were probably running in the other direction from me. And I just like didn't get it. Um, so I feel like the first couple of, months in ACA was just like coming to terms with like okay no that's there's not something wrong with you like it's this is this is what you've known this is how you've been able to survive your whole life up until this point is by doing these things um you know and I realized that that guy was just my father which is probably why I hated him um with a different face and the woman the friend was my mother with a different face and I had repeated these kinds of relationships over and over and over again um and so I was finally ready to be like, okay, I, don't, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I'm tired of trying to kill myself in various ways. I was in so much emotional pain. Um, and so in the beginning, I, I, I actually got uh, very lucky. I was able to find a sponsor. And she, she looked at me and she's like, your self-esteem is in the toilet. You have no self-esteem. And she was right. I, like, didn't know who I was or what I liked. It was just like all about what you wanted me to be. Um, and I would do anything. Like the first thing that went was like, I would abandon myself to make you like me. Um, because I really didn't believe that I had anything worth giving. And um, anything that I did have that was worth giving, you probably didn't want anyway. So I should just hide all of that and be whatever you, what I thought you wanted me to be. Um, and it took me a really, really long time to, to start to build up that, you know, that self-esteem. Um, and the way that we did it was through, through step work. We, you know, she took me through the 12 steps um, as they're outlined in our book, in our literature. And, you know, slowly through that process, I realized, like, again, it was like, not that there was something wrong with me, um, but that this was... This was, I was just a product of what I grew up with. Um, and, you know, through that process, I also started to get in touch with my, my inner child. And that's, like, really where things kind of took off. And for me, like, I, you know, in early recovery in this program, like, I just let my inner, my inner child was, like, a teenager. She was, like, 16, which was when a lot of my, like, trauma kind of happened around my dad. And so, like, I let her take over. Like, she... We dyed my hair purple and pink, and like <laughs> we were just like going all over the place, and it was just it was a it was an interesting thing because I had never let myself be, you know, that spontaneous girl. You know, I had never let myself dream before, really. Um, 
you know, and then at some point I had to say, like, okay, Najla, like, this was fun, but, like, probably time to go back to, like, a normal color that belongs on Earth, like, you know, to get a job. Um, and so, like, it was just, like, it became this practice of balancing, like, taking care of that little girl and letting her express herself in the ways that she was never, ever allowed to express herself growing up. Um, but also, like, being the adult that I am, that I am, because I am an adult. Um, and also not reacting to the situations around me with that, like, teenage angsty anger that I had. Um, so that, that's, you know, that's been a long process. It's still ongoing of, of just, like, talking to her. You know, and for me, it's almost like it takes on the form of, like, the more, and that's my true self, right? So, like, the more I'm in touch with my, my inner child and my true self, the more... Three minutes. That's yeah. it. Oh my god, I haven't even talked about service yet. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. So anyway, so I built that up, and you know, once I started to get my self-esteem back, like I started to realize, like, I did have things that people wanted, and people like, like I could be a friend. Like it was just like my mind blowing to me that like I I had something to offer more than just like what I looked like or like what I thought I could give you. Um, and so that's when I really started to jump into, into service in this program. And for me, that looks like, you know, just sometimes showing up to meetings, um, you know, sharing my experience, strength and hope, listening to what other people have to say, um, and then sponsorship, passing it on. You know, every time I sponsor another woman in this program, like I go through these steps again and like I learn more and more about myself, but it really does become this process of of building up my self-esteem even further. Um, and, you know, I get those tools, I get the tools to, like, live my life. Like, I felt like I hadn't gotten this book of, like, how to live my life because I was following what my parents' philosophy was of, of life. And, you know, so today, like, I just, like, by being of service to other people, by, like, just showing up and, like, you know, whether it's, like, chairing a meeting or starting a meeting or whatever it is, like, that was the other thing. Like, I remember, like, I would be in A business meetings and not say anything because I didn't feel like I really had anything to offer of a business mind. And so, like, now I, I try to make it a point to, like, stay for the business meeting and, like, raise my hand and, like, what I have to say is important and what I have to say means something. Mm -hmm. um, and, and the group, people do want to hear what I have to say even though I have that voice in my head, which is my father's, that says, little girls are meant to be seen and not heard. Shut your mouth. You know, so that still comes back up every once in a while. Um, and my life today is, is, I mean, it's amazing. It's never something I thought I wanted. Um, you know, like I said in the beginning, I'm basically about to give birth any day now. Hope it doesn't happen tonight. <laughs> That'd be a story. Um, and I feel like, you know, when I first came in, there was no way I wanted to be a parent because I was definitely going to fuck it up. Like, I was going to fuck it up and I was going to do worse than my parents did. And, like, now I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm probably still going to fuck it up somehow because I think it's inevitable um, I don't really believe that anybody is actually perfect, which is such a fucking relief, too. Um, but at least, like, I know that I have tools. Like, I really have these tools, the things that I 
just do in here to get the recovery that I need are the same tools that I can use in, you know, parenting a small human being, I hope. I don't know. We'll see. I'll let you know. <laughs> but yeah, so it's, 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 been, a, it's been a ride. Um, and I, yeah, thanks for letting me share. Thank you. Thank you.